Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Avinu, uh, thank you for your goodness. Uh, thank you. We thank you for joy and laughter, and we thank you for your presence and what you're doing in our community. We pray uh, that your Word would go forth and encourage your community this morning. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. So, before I continue with our sermon series, Priest, Prophet, Shepherd, and King, I wanted to share a quick update on our experience at the UMJC conference in North Carolina last week. I'm sure many of you are curious about that. So, Sonia and I tested negative for COVID before we left, even though she was uh, slightly under the weather, so we thought, you know, it's just a cold or something, we're good to go. <laughs> By the time we got there, I also started to feel bad, and we both tested positive for COVID at the conference in North Carolina. So what did we do? We spent the entire conference quarantined in our room, and uh, I did not end up giving the sermon that I had written for the occasion for Saturday morning. Someone else had to step in. He had two days to prepare, and he did an excellent job. His name is Chaim Dowerman. Um, yes, it was, it, was, uh, it was quite a blessing. We were pretty sick, and uh, it was very disappointing, to be honest. But um, there were some Baruch Hashems, and I want to share that with you. Our baby, you know, our two-month-old, did not get very sick. You know, he had uh, the, the vaccine, the booster from uh, his, his mother in utero. And also he had uh, all those good, uh, what are they called, antibodies, right, um, that he was getting. Um, so uh, Baruch Hashem, thank God he did not get very sick. Yeah. We had some nice folks, including uh, Eric, uh, leaving us meals outside our, our door um, every for every mealtime. Um, and uh, another good thing was that I didn't have any obligations here at Tikvat, right? So I didn't, I didn't miss anything um, that I was unable to fulfill because of having COVID. Um, also, we were able to video chat with the, the Moors who were there, and we watched the Friday night service and the Saturday morning service. Eric, representing Tikvat as the lay cantor, did an outstanding job. He really flowed with the musical leaders and with the service leader, Rabbi Josh Brumbach. Um, you know, we hadn't seen our friends and colleagues for, for three years, and I was really looking forward to fellowshipping with them and uh, giving this sermon. I would worked on for months on this, on this sermon, and it was very disappointing. But God reminded me, God reminded me the title of the sermon I was going to give was, Your Labor is Not in Vain. And I realized that God is sovereign over time. He's a faithful God, and he's going to redeem this situation somehow. 
I'm sure I will be able to use some form of that sermon in the future, with, either with this audience or, or with a different, you know, different group or whatever, but the preparation that I did will be useful. Uh, I'm trusting God in that. And I'm also trusting God that Sonia and I will be able to have sweet fellowship with all our Messianic Jewish colleagues in the future. I know that God is going to redeem it. It's also a reminder that God doesn't need us. He delights to use us. But if we can't do something, if we're down for the count, it's not like his plan is thwarted. He doesn't need David Wine to encourage those people. He can use anybody. He can do it through anyone. The sermon that was given instead by Chaim Dowerman on Saturday morning was, it was actually very similar to the one that I had planned to give. And um, God was going to encourage those folks with or without me. Moreover, while I was gone, <clears throat> while I was gone this past weekend, a Jewish man that I had been reached, reaching out to was evicted and three other members of our community were able to help him and find him a place to stay and share the gospel with him. I'm very happy to report that this Jewish man accepted Yeshua as his Messiah this past weekend. And I wasn't there. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. God is going to do what he's going to do. He's leading the rescue charge. He does not need us, but he delights to work in and through us. That is relational gospeling. That is gardening our strengths. That is what God is doing in our community right now. And that is our vision for this season and the title of this sermon series. And that's what we're doing. That's what God is doing. All right, Baruch Hashem. So just to let you know, I'm on, this is my 10th day uh, after first getting my, my symptoms. So I, I shouldn't really be contagious. Uh, you're, for five days, you're supposed to just quarantine. So that's what we did. And then the next five days, you're supposed to wear a mask if you go out, just a tight-fitting mask. Um, but I, sh I should be fine, but I'm just wearing this, um, these two masks here, just as an extra precaution. By tomorrow, uh, the CDC says I don't have to do anything, so give me a hug at your own risk. I, you know, I'm not promising anything, but I think I'm okay. Um, I was uh, kind of planning on possibly zooming in this sermon from my house, but I, I wanted to see you guys, so I hope it's okay. <clears throat> Two weeks ago, I spoke about gardening our strengths, and we spoke about the four main offices in the Tanakh. Do you remember what those were? This is the theme for our, our year. This is uh, what, what we're doing in this community. Do you guys remember those four offices? Okay, say it with me if you remember. Priest, prophet, shepherd, and king. If you missed the most re recent sermon and you're curious about what we're building here at Tikvot, I encourage you, go back and listen to that sermon on our podcast or on our website. It was the vision casting sermon that I'm encouraging everyone in our community to check it out. To sum up, this is our verse for the year, for next year. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 puts it like this. And uh, read it together with me if you'd like. He himself gave some to be emissaries, some as prophets, some as proclaimers of the good news, and some as shepherds 
and teachers. Their task is to equip God's people for the work of service that builds the body of the Messiah. These are our primary strengths. God has made us, all of us, kings to a degree with a certain authority over our gardens. God has made all of us prophets in a sense to proclaim and encourage and call to account in love. God has made all of us priests, right? There's the priesthood of all believers, of all followers of Yeshua. There's the priesthood of Israel. And, and he's made us, all of us, priests and gospelers to give a reason for the hope that is within us with reverence and humility and to intercede in prayer for those that are far from God, that he would draw them near. And God has made all of us shepherds and teachers to a degree in that we are to nurture and teach others in our sphere of influence with the heart of the Heavenly Father in us. In this verse, however, in Ephesians 4, let's put it back up for a second. Paul is not merely saying that we are all of these things, which is true because we are made in the image of God, but also rather that we are one of them in particular and perhaps two of them uh, to a greater degree for the good of the community. It's for the building up of the body, right? That's why, that's why he made us with these primary strengths. In other words, some of you are very strong in the prophetic. Some of you are very strong in administration. Some of you are very strong in shepherding and teaching. And some of you are very strong in gospeling. Here's a summary again of the strengths in the Tanakh, in Ephesians 4, and in the Strengthsfinders book. Strengthsfinders book, mm, that's hard to say. Strengthsfinders book, which I recommend that everyone get and take the strengths test. Right? Raise your hand if you've taken the, the strengths test already. All right? I would love to, to chat with you about that. Okay? The, and it lines up pretty well. Okay, so here are the strengths. Emissary or apostolic strength is the king, is the king in the Tanakh. It's a leadership strength. The prophetic strength is visioning, exhorting, and encouraging, right? And that's the, the prophetic strength. The evangelist or gospeling strength is the priest, I think. That's what I've mapped it onto. That's communicating the good news and interceding for those who are far from God. And number four, shepherding and teaching strength is nurturing, educating, and gardening people. In my last sermon, I gave the key to walking all of this out, to gardening our strengths, the secret sauce that makes it possible. Do you remember what that key is? Anybody? Humility. Humility is the secret sauce that makes it all possible. And here I'd like to share some flavors, flavors of humility for each of these primary strengths that I want to encourage you to walk in, in order to walk in them in fullness. If you're a gospeler or a priest, primarily as your strength, remember, God draws all people to himself through Yeshua's death, resurrection, and exaltation. This is from John 12, 32. Let's read it together. And as I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all to myself. I didn't hear you. You got to say it with me. You got to let me know you're with me. Let's do it again. And as I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all to myself. Who does the work, the primary work of, of gospeling? 
Yeshua, the Lord does. He delights to use us. He delights to work in and through us. But we have to remember it's him. It's him that does it. He, he himself will draw all men to himself by the spirit of Yeshua. And then he delights to work in and through us, right? That's the flavor of humility that a gospeler uh, needs to have in order to operate in that fullness. The prophetic strength, we talked a lot about that last time. This is prophetic humility. This is from uh, 1 Corinthians. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will pass away. Huh. The prophecies are going to pass away. Love is not going to pass away. The prophecies are going to pass away. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but, that, but when that which is perfect has come, that which is partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. For now I know in part, but then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. What is Paul saying? Those that are strong in the prophetic, we don't see clearly all of the time. We see through a mirror darkly. Those prophecies are passing away. What does not pass away is the love of God. We have to remember our limits. Remember our limits. And then we can walk in the prophetic in a fuller measure, right? If we apply that, that flavor of humility. A shepherd, if you're a strong shepherd, remember, who is the shepherd? Yeshua. Yeah, it's the Sunday school answer. If you just say Yeshua, most of the time you'll be right. One time it was humility. I'm sorry about that, Lauren, but most of the time you're right. If you just say, if you just say Jesus, that's the right Sunday school answer. You're going to be right 90% of the time. He is the shepherd, right? I'm a rabbi, okay, with a small r. He is the rabbi. He is the shepherd. I'm just a shepherd, okay? He is big and he nurtures all and he's called us to partner with him and help in smaller ways. Yeshua said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We are called to be like Yeshua, but we are not called to be him. It's, it's, it's tricky. It's tough, right? Because those with a shepherding heart, they want to help people. They want to help people and they want to help everybody because they have a heart of mercy. But guess what? You can't help everybody. God can help everybody. He can call you to help some people in a partial way, but he's leading the charge. He's in charge of the whole earth. He's the shepherd of the whole earth, of all the people, right? And so when we, as shepherds, when we apply that humility, remember that he is the shepherd, that enables us to be a shepherd. The king, or the apostolic flavor of humility. This is from the book of Daniel. <clears throat> All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. As he was walking on the roof of his, the royal palace of Babylon, the king exclaimed, 
Is this not the great Babylon that I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? <laughs> the words were still in the king's mouth when a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar has been decreed to you that your kingdom has been removed from you. Not such a great king now. You'll be driven away from men. You will live with the beasts of the field. You will feed on grass like an ox. You're going to look like a cow. Not so kingly now, are you, Mr. Cow? And seven periods of time will pass over you until you come to know that the Most High is sovereign over the realm of mankind, and he gives it to whomever he wishes. Seven years eating grass like an animal. Immediately the word about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from men, ate grass like an ox, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails had bird's claws. <clears throat> we who are strong administratively, that we, are, we who are leaders, he is the king. Don't ever forget that. <laughs> We can't ever forget that. He is the king. He holds our very breath in his hands. If he gives us a certain measure of authority, we are accountable to God for every word that we say. So if we apply this flavor of, hu of humility to our strengths, guess what? We can walk in it. We can walk humbly with our God. We can partner with him for the restoration of the earth in Richmond, Virginia. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. It's the kingdom of God we're talking about. The humility flavors, I think, all have to do with boundaries or limits. And that is because we are all limited in our energy and time and scope. There's only so much I can do. I can't be in Richmond and in North Carolina at the same time, right? I can't give a sermon if I'm sick, but God is not limited. God is not limited in any of these things. And we partner with God for the restoration of his world, but we are not God. But we are made in his image. So you see the tension between these two things, right? We're made in his image, but we're also made of dust. And we have to walk between these two poles to partner with him. So which describes your heart the best? I'm going to do a survey right now. You want to do a survey? Yeah? You excited? Okay. So which hold, describes your heart the best? I want you to hold up a one, a two, a three, or a four you know, on your hand, four fingers, to describe the one that connects with you best. If you're joining us on Zoom, you can put a one, two, three, or four in the chat, and I will check it out after the service. Priests and gospelers, let's take a look. Number one have a heart to connect people with God and apply the humility flavor of trusting God to do the drawing. If that's you, hold up a one. And if you, if you have a primary and then a secondary strength, you could do a right hand and a left hand, that's fine. Prophetic individuals have a heart to encourage and connect people with the future, the future restoration and apply the humility flavor of knowing their limits. If that's you, hold up a two. All right. 
Shepherds and teachers have a heart to nurture and equip people. They're gardeners of people, basically. And apply the humility flavor of trusting God that he is going to take care of the whole world. Who's a three? Where are my threes at? All right. And number four, apostolic individuals have a heart to lead, to lead people and apply the humility flavor of remembering they are not the king, but they are a king. All right, so hold up your, hold up your number. What do you think? All right. What's your primary strength? Very cool. There's a very cool diversity out there. It's beautiful. That's how God creates community with different strengths. But David, you may protest, they bleed into one another. They're all related, aren't they? Are some of you protesting that in your, in your heads? Yeah, okay. Well, I, I, I hear you. In which I say, exactly, because we're all made in the image of God. And because all of these are images of the Lord. And because of the mosaic mosaic. The mosaic mosaic, you ask? What is that? I'm so glad you asked about the mosaic mosaic. Because if I were to ask you, who in the Bible fulfills all of these pretty well, you would probably give me the standard Sunday school answer, Lauren. Yeshua, Yeshua yes. And if I were to ask you, okay, yes, obviously the Lord Jesus fulfills all of them. But who else does a pretty good job? Who else might you say in the Bible fulfills all of them pretty well? Moshe, Moses. All right, you guys are with me. Moses fulfills a mosaic or tapestry of these strengths in a beautiful way. Hence the mosaic, mosaic. All right. Moses is a leader, right? He shows the apostolic or the king strength, but he also applies the idea of delegating, doesn't he? He delegates his authority thanks to his father-in-law Jethro. Do you remember this story, right? So his father-in-law comes to him and says, you're going to get burnt out. You're hearing all these tiny little cases, right? You need to raise up. You need to delegate some of your authority so you don't get burnt out. Any leader worth his salt or her salt knows you have to empower others to lead in their strengths. It's not about building a personal kingdom that depends on the leader. It's not a royal pastor or royal rabbi model that, that is sustainable. Moses, then at the end of his life, what does he do? He sets up Joshua for success to lead the people. Because guess what? He's not going to be there. He's not going into the land with them. And so he delegates a lot of his authority to Joshua even while he's alive. That is apostolic, kingly humility. Well done, Moshe. Moses is a priest. I, wait, I thought his, his brother was the high priest. Well, yes, officially. Aaron is the, is the high priest, but Moses is a, is a, is a priest because he intercedes for Israel over and over while they're attacking him, <laughs> pleading for God's forgiveness. They personally attack him and his leadership over and over, almost constantly, and yet he says, God, forgive them. God, heal them from this plague. 
Moses is a gospeler to the community in absolute humility and kindness. The priest par excellence. Moses is a prophet. We know this, right? He encourages the people and exhorts them to follow the Torah, to not go after other gods like the nations around them, right? This, these are the parshas that we're reading through. He's giving his last sermon, right? And he applies it in humility by speaking his encouragements in love and not setting himself up as the end-all, be-all prophet. This is what he says in Deuteronomy 18. We'll read about this in a few weeks. Adonai, your God, will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brothers. To him you must listen. This is just what you asked of Adonai, your God, in Horeb on the day of the assembly when saying, <coughs> excuse me, I cannot, <coughs> I cannot continue to hear the voice of Adonai, my God, or see this great fire anymore or I will die. In other words, the people wanted a, they wanted a prophet to speak to them because they were scared of God. So God gave them Moses. But he's saying, after me, after I'm gone, there's going to be another prophet. And you've got to listen to him. And we know who the prophet is, right? Okay. Who is it, Lauren? Yeshua. Okay. All right. Finally, Moses is a shepherd and teacher nourishing the people, teaching the people the Torah. But I think here is his fatal flaw, the hole in his armor of humility. He has a lot of humility. He's one of the most humble men that ever lived. It even says so in the Torah, which I hope he didn't write. I hope Joshua wrote that about him. But um, this is what it says. Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly in front of the rock. He said, listen now, you rebels must we must we bring you water from this rock then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with the staff water gushed out and the community and the livestock drank but Adonai said to Moses and Aaron because you did not trust in me so as to esteem me as holy in the eyes of the children of Israel therefore you will not bring this assembly into the land that I have given to them nurturers and gardeners of people we have to remember it's God who provides for the people. He can use us. We are not the source. Have good boundaries. <laughs> you can't help everyone. God is bigger than we are. He can do it. He can do it. Now that we've looked at the mosaic mosaic, or the tapestry of Moses' strengths, and assessed the flavors of humility, let's look at what humility is not. Because a lot of times we like to go here. These are anti-humility flavors. Not so, uh, not so flavorful, are they? Not so tasty. Pride, self-hatred, and shame. This is just a, a few quotes from the anti-humility campaign that you may have heard in your head. I'm a failure. I'm a worm. Not even a person. I'm not good enough to be a blank rabbi, teacher, whatever. I need to be the best, whatever. I'm so ashamed of myself. How many of us have heard one of these in our heads before? 
I think all of us. These are human issues. This is negative self-talk. We all deal with it. And uh, a lot of times, you know, you can be delivered from this, but a lot of times it's a process. It's a process. And uh, we have to recognize the first, you know, G.I. Joe says knowing is half the battle, right? We have to recognize these, you can put them back up, recognize these as lies. This is not humility and it's not true. It's not humility and it's not true. I mean, it's easy to understand that pride is not humility, but shame, that's not humility. Beating yourself up is not humility. Turning on yourself is not humility. We all do it, but that's not what it is. We need to identify these things, and we need to take our thoughts captive, and we need to replace them with the truth. Speak the truth. The Bible says David, King David, encouraged himself in the Lord. <clears throat> so we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Sometimes it takes time to get these, these things out. But it's not true. Just know right off the bat, it's not true. Real humility is understanding that we're made in the image of God and we are made of dust at the same time. And there is tension between these two and they are never resolved, but they're both true. In the image of God, we reflect the office of priest. You are a priest, you are a prophet, you are a shepherd, and you are a king. Why? Because he, Yeshua, is priest. He is shepherd, he is king, and he is prophet. But we walk in between these two truths in humility. We're not worms. We're made in the image of God. And we are also in the process of conforming to his image over time. So don't say to yourself, I can't be a blank, can't be a gospeler. I'm not good enough for that. If that's how God made you, you can do it. With your God, you can leap over a wall. Without him, you can't do anything. That's true. That's true. He holds my breath in his hands. He enables me to move my arm like this. To do this. I can't do that. I can't walk around without God. But in God, in God and in humility, I can leap over a wall. I can shepherd a, a community. I can walk in my strength. And you can too. So don't say I can't do this or I can't do that. If that's how God made you, you can do it. Now, don't put your identity in that thing, right? Right? We could, I could hang my hat on, oh, I'm a, I'm a rabbi. Well, how good a rabbi am I if I am sick at, and quarantined at home? I can't, can't hang my hat on my office or my calling. I can hang my hat only on the fact that I'm made in the image of God and I'm his child. I'm his son. That's it. That's all I got going for me. Anything else is him empowering me. We can't hang our hat on being useful to God. Sometimes we get sick. Sometimes we're out of town. Sometimes we make a mistake. God doesn't need us. But guess what? 
He delights to work in and through us, especially the ones that are humble and willing. If you're humble and willing, such a person, God can do amazing things, amazing things. I can't hang my hat on, on any title that I have because my rabbi, Yeshua, is a million gazillion times better rabbi than I will ever be. And yet occasionally, I get to partner with this amazing rabbi for the restoration of his good world. And occasionally, he, he uses me. Would that this were constant occurrence. The humbler I get, the more that he can use me. Right? If we understand our limits and we understand that God has no limits and we focus on partnering with God in humility, we can walk in our God-given strengths. In my last sermon, I mentioned the Strengths Finders test and the book and that, that looks like this. <coughs> I want to encourage you, take the Strengths test in the back of the book and process your God-given strengths with me. I want to meet with you. Let's get coffee. By tomorrow, I'm not going to be contagious at all. I'll be good. By next week, uh, uh, I'll be good. I'll get coffee. All right? Um, my goal is for our entire community to know who God made us to be and to be fulfilled in our calling, applying healthy boundaries and limits along the way. You guys with me on that? All right. Finally, I want us to think about how these strengths work together how we can leverage our strengths to do the other things that we need to do. As a shepherd, I have to leverage that shepherd and teaching strength to share the gospel, hence relational gospeling, right? As a community, the cluster of Tikvat Israel's leadership strengths, if you, if you put a chart of, of the leaders, the most of our strengths would be in the relationship building category in the strengths finders. That means shepherding and teaching. Yes, thank you. Thanks, Gordon. So Tikvat is a shepherding community. That's who we are, right? A lot of our leaders and a lot of our members have strengths in this area, but we have to leverage that to do the other ones. We have to share the gospel relationally, and we have to activate those that are strong in that, right? My goal is to garden you so that you're gardening yourself. And the gospelers are gospeling and the prophets are prophesying and that's the ball game, that's the kingdom of God in Richmond. This is what we're doing because this is what I think God is doing. So let's get coffee, okay? Finally, um, I want us to, to give us some, some final encouragements and I want us to think about <coughs> if you're a member of our congregation or you consider this congregation your home, how are you connecting in the fullness of your strengths for the building up of this local body? With healthy boundaries, how are you pouring into your marriage? How are you pouring into your children through your God-given strengths? How are you serving the Jewish community and the wider Christian community as God leads? 
Are you walking in your strengths in the workplace for the sake of the kingdom? Let's get connected and start serving one another because that's what we at Tikvot Israel do best. So let's do it. Here are the final encouragements I gave in my previous sermon in case you missed it. And it still applies. <clears throat> Number one, understand that in some ways you're all of these in humility. Number two, ask the Lord to show you your primary strengths. I know you started thinking about it today because you took my survey, right? Keep praying about it. Keep thinking about it. Pro feel free to process it with me or another leader. Number three, get coffee with me and we could talk about your strengths. RabbiDavidWine at gmail.com. Love to get together with you. <coughs> Number four, find ways to practice your strengths here at Tikvot and everywhere, especially outward toward the Jewish and wider Christian community. And number five, think about your strengths in all the spheres of your life, right? In your relationships, in your work, in your rest. And uh, may the Lord bless you. Let's pray. Avinu, our Father, thank you that you are a good God and that you have made us in your image. I pray that you help us to garden our strengths, help us to... Um, continue to walk in humility um, for the flourishing of your good world which you created. Um, and we just trust you, Lord. We know that you're with us. And we, we trust that this is a vision from you and that you will accomplish it in your timing and that you will give us as leaders, as shepherds, as gospelers, and as prophets, you will empower us by your Holy Spirit, your Ruach HaKodesh, to do which you have, that which you have called us to do. And uh, we thank you so much we get to partner with you, Lord. It's such an honor to partner with you who are the good king over us. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.